In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, our Lord Jesus Christ came down on this earth to save us from our sins. All of our sins come from our pride. Therefore, our Lord came down on this earth to save us from our pride. To save us from our pride, he had to teach us humility. And this is exactly what he did. He taught us humility by his words, and he taught us humility by his deeds. He constantly taught us humility in his words. Practically everything that he said, which is recorded in the gospel, is in either a direct or an indirect lesson on the virtue of humility. On three separate occasions, he told us that everyone who exalts himself with pride will be humble, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. And this is, as it were, a supernatural law that he sets down for us. Your supernatural glory, after you die, will depend directly upon the degree of humility that you've practiced here on this earth. Meanwhile, the punishment that you will receive after this life will depend directly on the degree of pride that you have had in your life. That's why it's so important to our Lord as our Redeemer to teach us the virtue of humility. His main sermon, his charter sermon that summarizes his whole spirit and thought, the Sermon on the Mount, is like an ode to humility. While we know that the world calls people blessed who are successful, who are beautiful, who are famous, who are glorious in the eyes of many, our Lord has a completely different set of people that he calls blessed. The blessed for him, the ones who are in the state of beatitude, who should be happy, are the poor in spirit, the meek, those who mourn, those who are reviled and persecuted, the merciful and the peacemakers. This is our Lord's list of blessed people. They're not blessed in that the suffering that they undergo makes them happy. Suffering as such is not what makes people happy, and our Lord knows this. But rather, they are blessed because there is a great reward waiting for them in the next life. If they bear their humiliations in the right spirit. Because they're humbled in this life, and also because they are humble in their humiliations, because it's one thing to be humbled, and it's another thing to be humble. All of us have humiliations, but not all of us are humble in our humiliations. So those who are actually humble in their humiliations here below will be exalted in the kingdom of heaven and to the degree that they've exercised that virtue of humility. Our Lord says further, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you, bless them that curse you, pray for them that calumniate you, and to him that strikes you on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that takes away from you your cloak, forbid not 
him to take your coat also. Give to everyone that asks of you, and of him that takes away your goods, do not ask to receive them back again. And as you would that men should do to you, so do you also to them in like manner. It's a gospel of humility. These are the words of our Redeemer who comes to save us from our pride. This is why we find him so focusing on the virtue of humility, so elevating the, humility, the virtue of humility to our attention, so encouraging us to practice that virtue above all others. This is also why when we find our Lord having words of harshness and condemnation, it's always in order to rebuke the vice of pride. The villains of the gospel, the ones who are most despised and condemned by our Lord are the scribes and the Pharisees. And their primary sin is the sin of pride. Our Lord even resorts to calling them names. He has a special name or title for them that he repeats over and over again, and that is that they are hypocrites. He says seven times, in the 23rd chapter of St. Matthew, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He calls them that name repeatedly because he wants to call to the attention of everybody in public his hatred of this vice of pride. He wants to clearly condemn the vice of pride in public so that we all know what is good and what is evil. Our Lord summarizes the entire outlook of the Pharisees by saying that they do all of their works so that they can be seen by men. In everything that they do, they're just looking for their own glory. They use religion as a means to lord it over other people. Religion for them is not a means for giving glory to God, but it's a means for giving glory to themselves. It's a means for capturing glory from other people. This is why, says our Lord, they make their religious ornaments bigger than everyone else. They always sit in the most honored places at the feasts and the religious gatherings. That's why they want to be addressed with the most respectful titles whenever they are greeted. When they fast, they let everybody know. When they give an alms, they blow a trumpet to announce their giving of alms. When they pray, they stand in public and spend a very long time praying so that people will think that they're extremely holy. They pray so long. Everything they do is just acting. It's all pretending. And it's all pretending that they are something that they are not. In reality, the scribes and the Pharisees were not mortified. They were not generous. They were not prayerful. And they were certainly not holy. It was just pretending. It was just an external appearance in order to draw upon themselves the respect of other people. If the scribes and Pharisees are anything, they are overinflated. They're trying to be bigger than they actually are. And this is the very definition of pride. We try to be bigger than what we are. The reality of what we are is we are creatures 
dependent upon God at every moment to draw us out of nothingness. We are nothing of ourselves. We rely upon God at every second to sustain us. If God let us go, we would fall back into the nothingness from which we came. When we exercise pride like the scribes and the Pharisees, we make ourselves hateful to our fellow men, and we make ourselves hateful to our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the proof of this in reading the Gospel. It's so obvious that our Lord despises the vice of pride. He came to save us from pride, and to save us from our pride, He has to teach us humility. And so He teaches us this virtue all throughout the Gospels. You may be wondering, you may be saying to yourself, Father, this is, this is really interesting and all that, but um, I don't know if you realize, but today is the first day of the year, and this is the Feast of the Circumcision. So why are you talking about humility? Isn't this the wrong occasion to be speaking about this topic? What does humility have to do with this feast of the octave of Christmas? Well, that's an important point. And let me just say in answer that the fact is that our Lord would not have been effective in his teaching of humility if he just restricted his teaching to the use of words. And if he did not actually live the virtue of humility to a very high degree. Our Lord did much more than teach us by words. He did something much more effective than giving us instruction on the virtue of humility. He also taught us humility by his example. And this is why he doesn't say to us, learn of me because I've taught you about meekness and humility. He says, learn of me because I am meek and humble of heart. This is what I am. And it's important that we realize that our Lord, in order to save us from our pride, because he is our redeemer, he chose to practice humility in the most explicit way possible throughout all of his life. Every single event of his life is an example of humility. Now, he's not like us in that he did not have to practice humility because he was great. Anything that he would have done to draw down glory upon himself would not have been a sort of stepping beyond his bounds. It would have actually been what he deserved. He couldn't by definition, be, be greater than he was. He couldn't act greater than he was because you can't be greater than God. He's never going to be bigger than he actually is. We are often much, we try to be much bigger than we are. It's very easy for us to be bigger than we are, trying to be bigger than we are because we're so small. But our Lord was God himself. Thus, for him, Humility was not a virtue that corresponded to his actual state, whereas it does correspond to our actual state. We are lowly in fact, in reality, and when we live according to that lowliness, we practice the virtue of humility. 
Our Lord was not lowly. He was great. But for our sakes, in order to redeem us and help us, he chose to live in a very lowly manner. He chose to practice humility in order to set us an example of the humility that we should practice. See, Thomas even goes so far as to say that, that when we read the Gospels and we look at the life of our Lord, the prophet which comes to men from Christ is chiefly through faith and humility. Those are the two main virtues that you should derive from reading the Gospels and looking at the example that our Lord has set for us. The most important virtues that you're to acquire. Now the circumcision of our Lord is precisely one of those examples from the life of Christ that give us an example of humility. It's a lesson in the humility of our Lord and so it sweetly draws us to imitate our Lord by practicing humility ourselves. See, Thomas says, Christ, though not subject to the law, wished nevertheless to submit to circumcision and the other burdens of the law in order to give an example of humility and obedience. Now, you practice humility whenever you submit yourself to something that you do not have to submit to. There's no obligation, there's no strict duty that you have to submit to another person or to submit to this or that thing that happens to you, but you do it anyway. You, you say, yes, I will and undergo this or that thing that someone is imposing upon me. Our Lord had no obligation to submit to circumcision, yet He did submit Himself to it. He had no obligation to submit Himself to a death on the cross because He committed no crime, yet He did submit Himself, and so on for the rest of the episodes of the life of our Lord. On this day, He, he perhaps goes to, to some sort of rabbi, some sort of religious official of the Jewish religion. They, they remove His clothing and they make this incision in our Lord. He bleeds. He feels this pain. He submits to a law that concerns sinful men. And he does all this even though he has no obligation to do it. He submits to that law. St. Bernard, in seeing all these examples of our Lord submitting himself to things that of themselves are, are humiliating. He turns back to us and he says more or less the following, sort of changing his words, adapting his words for my own purposes, but he says, you see your Savior submitting himself to his parents, submitting himself to his Father, submitting himself to the Mosaic Law, submitting himself to everything in this life, and yet you do not want to submit yourself to God. Blush, he says, blush, proud ashes. You proud ashes, you're just ash. You're just dust. You should be ashamed of yourself. A God becomes subject to men while you seeking to rule over man, you put yourself above your creator. The examples of our Lord are supposed to move us 
to be very willing to submit to everything that God wills for us in this life. We not, must not rebel against the providence of God. And so on this first day of 2019, dear faithful, I do want to invite you to a year of the practice of the virtue of humility. That practice of the virtue of humility is like your insurance policy for heaven. An insurance policy that has eternal dividends that are reaped for you. If you want to save your soul, you have to humble yourself. If you want to lose your soul, then be prideful. It's that simple. Humility gets you to heaven, pride gets you to hell. End of story. Do you want to imitate our Lord and Our Lady? Then you practice humility in your words and in your deeds. Do you want to imitate Lucifer, the devil, the father of lies? Well, then be bigger than you are. Refuse to submit to God. Refuse to submit to anything. Be uncharitable, be haughty, never be kind to other people, never listen to other people, just do what you want. Your humility during 2019 will determine your degree of grace. It will determine your ability to receive the grace of God into your soul and advance by the steps of holiness that God has planned for you in this year. Because humility is precisely the virtue that enables you to be led by God, to submit to all that God wants for you. St. Thomas explains that Our Lady had to be humble in order for her to be full of grace. As the fullness of grace flowed from Christ onto his mother, St. Thomas says, so it was becoming that the mother should be like her son in humility, for God gives grace to the humble, as is written in James 4.6. So this is this vision that St. Thomas has of our Lord and Our Lady. Our Lord was full of grace, and Our Lady had to be like Him, full of grace. But for her to be full of grace, she had to be humble. Because humility is the condition for the reception of grace. So Our Lady was full of humility, and this enabled her to be full of grace. And this is why the angel Gabriel says to her at the moment of the Annunciation, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. You want to be able to say to God at all times, as Our Lady said on that occasion, be it done unto me as you wish. Whatever you want from me, that's also what I want. I submit myself to your will. But in order to do that, you also have to be able to say with Our Lady, behold the servant of God. I want to serve you. I want to submit to you. My, the disposition of my soul is complete acceptance of everything you want for me. This is the law, the supernatural law, that God puts down the mighty from their throne and he exalts the humble. You must not exalt your, yourself, you must, but you must want that God exalt you. It's good for you to desire that God exalt you. But that will only happen if you do not exalt yourself. You let God do all the exalting. On your part, you do the lowering. You keep yourself at your proper size. If you do this, 
He will exalt you in the next life. He will give you that beatitude that the Lord spoke about on the Sermon of the Mount. And after your death, you will be able to say with Our Lady that God has regarded your lowliness. God regarded your humility. And so He has exalted you in heaven for all generations. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.